it's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at WDWS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the show here. We're with you for two hours on this Saturday morning. From now until 11 o'clock, 356-9397 is the phone number if you'd like to join us here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Mr. Tate is in the house. How you good doing, Good morning, there, good morning. Yeah, our new studios, huh? All ready to roll on Devonshire Drive here in Champaign. Love to hear from you. We've got some guests lined up for you uh, this morning. Plenty of time for open lines as well. Mike Small will join us at about 10.30. Teddy Greenstein at 10. Kedrick Prince scheduled to join us at 9.30. Luke Goody, a future Illini basketball player, about 9.15. And uh, as I mentioned, plenty of time for your phone calls as well. Some NCAA news. Obviously, some news earlier this week uh, before we get to the NCAA about uh, Adam Miller signing the uh, National Letter of Intent. So that... uh, I guess, ease the, the worried minds of Illini fans who have been fretting that, although apparently there was no need to, to feel too bad about that. But The only reason people felt that way, and even members of my family felt that way, because Illinois, they felt, had lost guys at, you know, at the end that they thought they had, and it's, it's happened, there's no question. But this deal was done two years ago. Right. And when Io DeSumo came, they had to make a decision between Io DeSumo and and Taylor uh, Horton Tucker, as you recall, mm-hmm. those got in, those two got into a fuss, and Horton Tucker left the team, uh, the AAU team that was coached by Nick Irvin, who was a coach at, at uh, Morgan Park. And when they split, there was uh, some some words back and forth, and and both guys committed to Illinois, Io and Taylor, both committed to Illinois, but. N- Irvin wasn't going to come if if uh, Court and Tucker came. I mean, Irvin was Irvin wasn't going to support uh, Io coming, and that's so that's basically what happened there. And and I think Illinois stuck with Io because in the long run they knew that uh, they knew that Miller was coming along. So it it was one of those things that uh, I I pretty much uh, I think that thing has been pretty much sealed for the whole two years and and. Uh, he is from Peoria. He uh, he did play his freshman year at Peoria. Was a starter on the team even then, and of course played the last three years. Did Miller at uh, Maywood Park, and one one year he played with uh, Io when Io was a senior and he was a sophomore. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number if you'd like to join us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. The NFL Draft is going on. You've been paying much attention to that, Lauren. Well, I watched it. Yeah, but an awful lot of names and awful lot of people from LSU and from Alabama and Clemson and, and the SEC schools and even some from the Big Ten that I just didn't wasn't aware of. The, the, the one thing that um, caught my eye was the fact that there were 28 linebackers on a list 
of the top linebackers in the country. Eight of them were from the Big Ten, and Dele Harding was not one of them. He's a number two tackler in the country. And yet, and of course he led the Big Ten in tackles, and yet he, he wasn't listed among those linebackers that were considered most likely for the draft. So evidently his, maybe he doesn't have quite the speed they want. I don't know how they could judge it because in terms of making tackles, he was a good football player, really good football player. But uh, I don't know if he's going to be drafted today or not. He's got, they got uh, the first three rounds are in and the remaining rounds he might be picked up, but I don't, I don't know if there's a guarantee. In the uh, first round, there were five Big Ten players, three of those from Ohio State, including uh, number, pick number two and number three. In the second round, there were seven Big Ten players. And in the third round, five players from the Big Ten. Keyshawn Vaughn, former Illinois running back, got picked in the second round uh, with the, uh, check that third round, 76th pick to Tampa Bay. Yeah, he had a good career. Uh, he, he wound up having a, a particularly good season at Vanderbilt, and good for him. That's all I can say. I don't know what the problem was here. Um, maybe he and Derek McGee didn't get along. I don't know. I don't. Maybe there was something there that we just don't are not aware of. But uh, he did transfer and set out a year, and came back and and finished his career at Vanderbilt. Those of you that like to play golf, you're going to get a chance to play golf at least uh, with some uh, restrictions beginning next Friday, May 1st. The uh, governor lifted the ban on golf totally and change things around a little bit. So it's going to be a little bit different, but at least you'll be able to get out uh, starting Friday at area courses to uh, put the ball in the air. The groupings will be twosomes only, walking only, 15-minute tee times. So some things there that are quite different than the norm. But uh, they're, they're taking all the fun out of it. <laughs> or, well, they're taking a lot of the fun out of yeah, it, that, yeah. that's for sure. But uh, that's kind of where we're at. When you say norm, we don't know what the norm is going to be. Well, it's going to be tough on a lot of the older guys to w- walk and carry when, if you haven't walked and carried for a long time. And most of us in our 80s are probably not accustomed to walking and carrying. I can walk it uh, a lot easier than I can walk and carry. But well, you I, need to I just have to take a bunch of clubs out of my bag and lighten it up. Or hire a caddy. You can't do that can't have a cat. That's true. That'd be three people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So it's going to be, it's going to limit a, a lot of us. And yet uh, it's good that, that they're open. Look, if you've got 200 acres out there and 60 people out on the golf course, you can, you can be sufficiently hey, separated. If you've got 200 acres and 200 people on the golf course you can be significantly oh yeah i mean it's, it's i always figure this way steve they say you got to stay apart when you go down the fair well, nobody hits the ball where i do anyway <laughs> i'm not, the only one chasing that ball and not many people hit it right next to the other guy no. in their group no matter what everybody's no. and, and you, you walk at different paces and but whatever at least uh area golfers will be able to get out you won't have to go to indiana couple of times a week like some people have been doing. Hey, they've been traveling to Missouri, been traveling to Iowa. They've been traveling from this state. They've been going all over. I, one of the places I used to play when I worked in Hammond uh, has been drawing a, a lot of uh, people from the Chicago area just across the Indiana line. Sure. Down around Cherville and Dyer and, and St. John and in there. At uh, Rivercrest over in uh, Covington, they get a lot of people from Illinois on a regular basis. I and mean, there's a lot of people that live in Danville, Georgetown, 
along there that are seasoned pass holders of theirs. So, oh, really? So having more Illinois cars in the lot really wasn't uh, that well, much. Well, you know that uh, that uh, Joe Burden, who's my son-in-law, called over there. He, he and I were going to go over there and play, mm-hmm. and they were completely out of tee times. Couldn't We couldn't get on the course. That was Wednesday, this past Wednesday. Right. And I was there yesterday, and uh, it was busy, but not I don't, I don't think it was totally booked. But, uh, but yeah, at least... Uh, well, yesterday must have been a perfect day to play. It was. You know, it was a little foggy there in, in the early going, but uh, once the sun came out, there wasn't much wind for a change, so it was a good day to play. But everybody, at least around here that I know, is anxious to get back out to Savoy and Lake of the Woods and Willow Pond and Brook Hill and some of the other courses in the area to uh, play golf, and that uh, starts again on Friday. 9.09, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. You'd like to join us, 356-9397. Plenty of other stuff to talk about as we work our way to 11 o'clock. We'll do that and be back with more after this. Stay with us. Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk here on WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. One uh, side note to um, the golf discussion that we were talking about before the break, that uh, golf will be allowed beginning Friday, May 1st, as far as carts are concerned. Mike Walder reminds me that um, later, after the restrictions came out, they made an amendment and did say that carts are allowed for physically limited uh, people who are unable to walk the course, plus handicapped. So that mm-hmm. will um, yep. allow people to get out there that uh, maybe couldn't have otherwise. Yeah, it'll make a difference. It is uh, 9 13 on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, I'd like to uh, say good morning to uh, Luke Goody from uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. He uh, verbaled to the University of Illinois basketball team uh, 10 days or so ago, just over a week ago. Luke, good morning. How you doing? Uh, good morning. Thank you for having me on. No problem. Just wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, your commitment. Uh, you've got another year of high school ball to play yet, but uh, what did you like about uh, the University of Illinois that uh, made you want to go ahead and uh, verbally commit? The University of Illinois um, checked off all the boxes for me from a great coaching staff with Coach Gentry, my recruiter, and Coach Underwood and the rest of the assistants um, to a great basketball culture that's definitely on the rise the past couple of years. Um, It's just everything I was looking for in a school. The 2020 class, too, with uh, Andre Cabello and Adam Miller and Coleman Hawkins, um, just being able to come in and play with them and hopefully have a successful four years is definitely something and one of the reasons why I chose Illinois. Tell us a little bit about your game. What do you think you're going to bring to this program? Um, I think I'll bring a tall shooter, a tall wing um, that can score when needed, get to the basket, and that can also defend any position needed. Um, being six 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 seven as a wing, that's kind of a three guy. I'm able to guard any really any position on the court. Um, so just being able, having that versatility, being able to play on the wing um, with a great point guard like Andre. And, other guys, other scores like Adam Miller um, will be a great thing. Luke, this is Lauren Tate. Uh, you, do you intend to play football uh, this fall, if, if there is football? And what do you know about that possibility in, in Indiana? Um, I've already decided that I will not be playing football. Um, one of my biggest goals as a basketball player is to play um, as early as possible at Illinois, um, hopefully freshman year. So in order to do that, I felt like I needed to – um, hang up the football cleats and just focus on basketball. Um, get my body ready for a freshman year in the Big Ten as it is a very tough conference and 
a lot of big guards. So just being able to do that, work more on basketball, is kind of the reason why I chose basketball over football. Before I get off of football, uh, you've got a lot of relatives that played football and uncles and fathers and grandfathers, I believe. And just mention that, and, and uh, th- that must be uh, it. Must be tough for you to drop that with it with so much uh, history. Yeah, um, it was definitely a little different with all my family members playing football. Um, growing up, going to football games, um, all my cousins playing football, but everybody in my family has been really great. They've all been so supportive, supportive of my decision, um, and everybody's really excited that I'm playing basketball at the next level. What uh, What are you going to be doing? Uh, what are you doing now, and what do you intend to do this summer in terms of getting ready? Do you have a place to work out? Do you have a place to shoot baskets? Yeah, so we actually know somebody in Fort Wayne um, with a gym in their house, so I'm able to go there and shoot, um, go outside and shoot, and just find any weights possible. Um, Just trying to do as much as possible, stay in shape, and kind of wait out this whole thing. Hopefully we'll have AAU eventually. Um, That's still a big question mark and stuff like that. So um, just trying to get in the gym, um, get as many shots up as possible, um, stay active, and stay in shape. Do you have any uh, orders on, in terms of weight training from here, from Illinois? Um, I don't. So they can't give me any uh, training or any programs until I actually sign, until I'm actually truly part of the program um, per NCAA rules. So they haven't given me any weight training stuff. Talking to Luke Goody, he'll be a future Illini basketball player. He's in Fort Wade, Indiana. So were you a Big Ten fan all along? Did you, uh, did you uh, kind of uh, – aspire to play in the Big Ten Conference? Yeah, the Big Ten was always my dream growing up. Um, Being a young kid in the Midwest that loves basketball, um, I've always looked up to the Big Ten basketball teams and Big Ten basketball players. Um, Since I picked up a basketball and truly knew what it was, um, that there was an opportunity to play at the next level, it's always been my dream to play in the Big Ten. So now that I have that opportunity, I'm really blessed and excited. Have you gone against uh, Andre Corbello or Adam Miller or Coleman Hawkins anywhere along the line? Do you know them at all? Yeah, we played um, <clears throat> last summer in Peach Jam. Um, when I played with Indy Heat, we played Mac Irvin Fire and Adam Miller's team, and we actually beat them by 50. Is that right? How many? <laughs> yeah, uh, we beat them by 50 points. It was the highest, it was the highest win, um, uh, what, what would it be, deficit, or is the highest um, point – point spread um, ever in PCM history. Wow. You got blowout, then you got that, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. So it was was a cool experience, but he he played well and he's a great player. You've got some guys on your AAU team uh, going into the Big Ten as well, don't you? Yes. Yep. Christian Lander, who is going to Indiana, and then Caleb First, who's going to um, Purdue, and then Kalen Esler, who's going to Ohio State. So we already have three Big Ten commits on our team. And then four with me. You know, uh, the people uh, from this community are, are really excited to have a, a guy from Indiana because we've had our problems with in having success with guys from Indiana. I don't know if you remember a guy by the name of Eric Gordon. He plays in the NBA now, and he uh, he committed to Illinois and was coming, and then he wound up at Indiana when they changed coaches and brought uh, – I believe that was when uh, – oh, who uh, Samson. Samson, yeah, mm-hmm. came in. And um, – we had a guy by the name of Hafner back in the 80s who was a really a terrific prospect. We all know he was so loaded at that time. He came over from Noblesville, I believe, and he uh, he wound up he wound up playing some games in the N- NBA, I mean, later on. He was a good player. But anyway, I, I just – I don't know if you know the history of it, but 
Uh, right now, uh, Coleman Lands, who is just petitioned for his sixth year uh, in the in college basketball, has is uh, leaving uh, DePaul. He originally started at Illinois. He sat out a year, I believe, and then he's played at uh, he's played uh, at DePaul, and now he's going to play someplace else because he's in the portal. Or he still could go back to DePaul. Yeah, yeah. sure, right. Mm-hmm. If they would take him like this, and they and they surely would. I'd, right. Anyway, I'm just giving you a little history there, uh, Luke, of, of, of uh, Indiana guys. And Illinois hadn't had many of them, but Fort Wayne's a long way over there. You're practically in Ohio, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, so we're in uh, the north, kind of eastern part of Indiana. Um, but one thing I did kind of understand after I committed is that um, I think I was the third the third commit from Indiana since 1986 to go to Illinois, so kind of that's kind of cool to me in the fact that I can kind of be a trailblazer for new uh Indiana basketball players and kind of create a pipeline back to Illinois from Indiana 1986 let's see it's <laughs> a 34 years yeah. Ooh, so wow. did you uh, Luke did you grow up uh, a Purdue or Indiana fan yeah so my dad actually played my mom and dad both went to Indiana um so I kind of grew up as an Indiana fan and the last couple of years obviously with the recruiting I can't really being an Indiana fan like that, um, so just with all the other opportunities I've had, um, we kind of grew, grew distant from them. But I did grow up as an Indiana fan. Yep. So well, how, did you have offers from Indiana and or Purdue? I did not know. Do you know why? Why would that be? Um, Purdue is because they had limited scholarships. I think they only had one or two in the class. Okay. And they already got killed first. And then Indiana is because their 2020 class, they already had a couple, <clears throat> a couple kids that kind of play my position that they got in the 2020 class. So I didn't, I don't think they wanted to um, recruit over them. Okay. So how's your high school team going to be uh, once we get the season going later this year? Um, I feel like we'll be really good. Um, we got a couple guys returning. We got a couple um, good talents, and then we got some good role players. So we got a bunch of guys that if put together in the right way and play together, um, we could be a good team this year. What do you plan to study over here? Have you thought that far ahead yet? Yeah, my goal um, when I get to Illinois is to make it into the Geese College of Business. Um, so I want to study business um, at Illinois. Well, good deal. Lauren, you got anything else for Luke? No, I don't think so. But Luke, um, I'm an old guy over here. And, and when I meet you, I'm going to tell you a great story about my one trip in my life to Fort Wayne. It's an amazing trip. You'll, I'll tell you about it when, when we have time, when I meet you. All right. Sounds great. Sounds great. Hey, Luke, thanks for your time. We appreciate hey, it. Hey, Luke, it wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My trip over there was not great, but I'll tell you about it. Hey, Luke, thanks right. again Sounds for the time. Cool. We, Thank you for having me on. Yep. Yeah, we yep. look forward to meeting you. Thanks. Yep. That's Luke Goody. Is your story uh, X-rated or? No, I, I, was, I was picked up by a by a team to play baseball over there and we didn't have we were it was a national tournament and uh we were go uh, the winner would go to uh Battle Creek Michigan for the uh cha- the semi-pro championship and it was a year where uh, I pitched over there and the lead off, let's just say the leadoff hitter went 5 for 5 you don't need <laughs> to know the rest <laughs> they left you in for him to get five I was, five bats I was on struggling you? the whole time I couldn't get him out but uh, didn't have a bullpen huh? and, and, well you know we <laughs> it just didn't work out let's just say that by the way and I, I was pitching for a team that two years before won the national tournament so I was I would they expected to win 
they didn't know I was going to get my brains beat out. So did you replace somebody in the rotation that was on that national team? I think it was more than one game over there, Steve, and I was yeah. the other pitcher. I, yeah, I was, I was just picked up. It's, it was called, as a team called Sam and Henry's out of East Chicago. And um, they were really good. They had a really good team, but they couldn't get enough runs to win that day. <laughs> I was really bad. Well, that's uh, a piece of history there that we're glad we know now. I don't know what that leadoff hitter's name was, but he, he was happy that day. Do you have a major league baseball career or anything? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, it wasn't, hey, listen, I just tried to get out of town. It wasn't Willie Mays or anybody like that. Huh? <laughs> Lou Brock. Didn't you tell me you pitched against Lou Brock? When yeah, Lou got, Lou got two doubles. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't steal any bases. <laughs> he didn't have to. Uh -uh. Probably had some guys to, to drive him in. Speaking of Lou Brock, the uh, St. Louis Post-Dispatch is doing a uh, fan vote thing on the greatest sports personality, greatest sports athlete in St. Louis history. And they've broken it down kind of like a, a tournament and then fans vote and you move on and so forth. Lou Brock was defeated in the uh, semifinals by Albert Pujols and Bob Gibson was defeated in the semifinals by Stan Musial. So it's Musial and Albert Pujols in the finals. Of, a lot of difference in the number of years of con con contributing to the Cardinals. I mean, it's two to one, isn't it? Pretty yes. much. Mm -hmm. And they were both three-time MVPs. Of course, Stan played in 20 All-Star games in 22 years. And uh, so, uh, you know, that'll be interesting to see how, how that goes. I know what, what I'd say. I would guess I would know what you'd say, although I didn't ask you. But No, I, I'd go Musial. Yeah, I, I mean, I, And I think Pujols a great player, but Musial was a tremendous hitter, led the league in hitting, and, and um, you know, and he, he was he – was he didn't leave in midway in his career as Pujols did. Yep. We're going to have Chin Coleman coming up to uh, Illini basketball assistant coach. He'll be joining us at 945. Talk a little bit about the uh, signing of Adam Miller. You know, we mentioned the transfer portal, and it's knocking on the door of 800 now in, in basketball. But they have not decided when transfers would be immediately eligible if they go to that one-time deal. A lot of different information coming out yeah. on that, too. It's supposed to vote May 20th, and we heard yesterday that they weren't going to vote May 20th. Then we heard maybe they'll vote May 20th, and maybe they won't. And if they do vote, we don't know if it'll be favorable or, or negative. You've got to remember, in that Division I NCA Council, there are 40 voters. There are 40 people from around the country representing different schools, and, and uh, only 15 of them are from the major schools. 25 of them are for, from smaller schools or not all smaller, but at least they weren't the, the Power Five uh, schools. And that would mean to me that uh, there would be a lot of interest among the, the smaller schools not to have uh, players uh, immediately eligible. I think it's going to happen at some point. I just, I'm like you now, I'm starting to wonder whether it'll actually happen in behalf of this coming season. Right. We do have the phone lines open. If you'd like to join us, let's go to New York. And Jeff is on with us. Hey, Jeff. Hi, good morning, guys. Um, I uh, enjoyed that conversation with uh, uh, Luke, and I'm enjoying, I think I'll uh, enjoy seeing him play for Illinois. Um, the reason that I called is I was looking at the Post-Dispatch this morning, and um, 
Dave Matter, who covers Mizzou for them, had a question and answer uh, column this morning. And, um, Lauren, I was wondering, he mentioned that the president of the University of Arizona apparently stated recently that he didn't think there would be a college football season this year. And I was reminded of uh, your column, which I enjoyed very much from last Sunday, in which you explored some of the consequences of what might happen if that did uh, actually take place. And um, I was wondering if you were aware of uh, the gentleman from Arizona's comments or had heard anything else yourself. Um, well, I, let me just that. say, first of all, one person's comments don't mean anything right now because nobody knows, really. I mean, whether it's the president of Connecticut or the president of Arizona or the president of, you know, whatever school, they just simply don't know. And, and we aren't going to know for a while. Uh, but the other thing is that plans are being made. And, Steve, you can address this, too. Uh, there's three different possibilities that I see already of when the season could be played. It could be played normally. It could be pushed back. Or, heck, they could play even in the spring. They're even considering a, a football season in the spring just in order to get the TV money. Well, the, and the TV folks don't like that scenario, but they'd, they'd rather have that uh, well, that's right. money this uh, calendar year and in, in the fall. What it's else going to conflict, I mean, with, with basketball and everything yeah. else. What else you got, Jeff? I uh, I agree with you guys uh, wholeheartedly that uh, it would be you know highly preferable to see a season, um, and uh, you know I hope it comes to pass even if it is uh, not nor at the normal time or something like that. But uh, anyway, that's that's what I had. I wanted to get your your comments on that, Lauren. I appreciate well, it. Well, what we're learning, and 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 I think Josh Whitman has uh, verified this in in his comments that if they did not have a football season, it would cost the University of Illinois somewhere in the neighborhood of $75, $80 million on, an exactly. on a $130 million budget. And uh, you, if, you, if that would happen, I just don't have any idea how, ma how many bankruptcies there would be and how many, how many uh, you know, people would be unable to meet their mortgages and their, their loans and their, their bonds and, and universities that had to pick it up for athletic departments. It would just be a, a mess. I mean, it's a mess anyway, but that would just put it. I mean, right now, according to Josh, the University of Illinois has only lost $2.5 million on what they expected to get out of a $130 million budget. If that's the case, they're not, you know, they're not uh, waylaid yet, right? I mean, they're still, they, they, it's difficult. They may have to make some cuts, but if, if you take the football season and take another $75 million away, then, then, then whew, I don't, know how you, I, I don't know even how you deal with that. Because that would happen I, all across the board, all, all over the country. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Appreciate it, Lauren. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. Jeff, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 930 WDWS. Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a break. We'll talk some more Illinois basketball and uh, basketball recruiting. Kedrick Prince from Orange and Blue News will join us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Jim Coleman coming up at 945 as well. We're back after this. 933, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock with the phone line open 356-9397. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly uh, with you. And Kedrick Prince from Orange and Blue News, Rivals.com, is on the line with us from the uh, Quad Cities area. How you doing, Ked? 
Good morning, gentlemen. How, how are you? Good. Kind of a busy week in uh, in a time where the weeks haven't been all that busy, but uh, Illini fans are breathing a little bit uh, uh, lighter now with the uh, signing of the National Letter of Intent on uh, Wednesday from Adam Miller. Talk a little bit about him. You know, you've known him a while, and what kind of player do you think Illinois is getting with him? Yeah, I was lucky enough to, I, you know, to see Adam play as a freshman, and I, I met him one time down in Peoria at a basketball event, and he's a real, real sharp kid. I mean, he's very, very intelligent, and I think Brad Underwood mentioned that the other day. He's a good student, um, well-spoken. Um, he's very, very competitive on the basketball court. Um, he doesn't show his emotion like some like some kids do, but he's very, very confident, and he adds a piece to the program. You know, if you look at what Brad Underwood is always trying to do, and he mentioned this the other day, he likes wings, likes guards, and let's face it, you know, they were one of the worst shooting teams in the country last year. Bringing somebody like Adam Miller along and, and the gentleman you had on before being, you know, Luke Goody, you can see the trend and the changing because now they have the athletes, they have size. The recruiting is at, at an all-time high. It's not been this good years, decades, to be honest with you. So um, I really, really like what the kid brings to the table. And a lot of people were panicking about him not signing. I I was just confident in the kid. You know, if you talk to him privately, he made it really clear where he wanted to be. Um, you know, he loved, you know, when I met him when he was 14 years old, he talked about playing for his home state and what that would mean to him, you know, and representing the state. So, I, you know, it was a good get, you know, because this kid could have went to a lot of places. He's a five-star recruit based off of our company, Rivals.com. So it's a big kudos to the coaching staff. They're doing an amazing job with recruiting right now. So do you think that kind of moves the Illinois up to maybe second in the Big Ten with this class as it stands now? Yeah, so this right now, I mean, they were at second um, for the longest time, you know, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know if they'll, if they'll overtake Michigan. You know, at this point, a lot can happen, you know, with kids reclassifying. But right now they have a top 20 class because you've got a four-star recruit, a five-star recruit, and a three-star recruit who, from my understanding, may change to a four-star recruit and Coleman Hawkins. So that's a pretty, you know, good class that they put together. And it is nice. Some people, you know, rankings matter, but they don't. It's nice for people to see in fans, and it kind of gives you a gauge of where they are talent-wise. But definitely one of the class top classes. And, you know, I, I'll tell you, you know, when I was talking to a couple of recruiting guys, national guys from different sources, you know, about the coaching staff at Illinois, I mean, from different sites, from 24-7, from ESPN to our site and rivals, and the thing that they mentioned about the Illinois coaching staff that they haven't had in the past, that they are aggressive. One guy said they're a bunch of sharks because they know what they want and they're going to go get it. You know, this is Lauren. Uh, One of the things that's interesting to me is that different uh, members of the staff have brought in different players. I mean, they've been successful. Luke Whitty coming in now and – and uh, you know, of course, uh, Curbelo out of the East, and and uh, and uh, and to pick up Miller out of Chicago, uh, and in each member of the staff has been a different member of the staff has been the primary recruiter in those. I, that sounds to me like Illinois has uh, a new reputation among uh, re- schools right now, basketball schools, because there is a kind of a you know, uh, there's there's a kind of a list of, of schools, and, and Illinois is moving into that top list again, aren't they? Well, I mean, yes. I mean, I could have said it better myself. You know, like Brad mentioned the other day, you know, 
Illinois is now, he is in his words, their sexy look again because they can get kids from all over the country. You know, I, the women's program, I mean, they're doing the same thing. It used to be in the 80s where, you know, the roster was filled with all Illinois kids. And you know what, like you mentioned, you know, you're not going to get every Illinois kid. Some kids don't fit. But they're able to go out nationally. And what's unique about it is that when I talk to some of these kids on the phone, I mean, I mean I'm going to tell you, they know about Illinois basketball. They And – and it's not and it's not lies because they, you know they'll mention kids' names to me. You know they'll mention Kofi's name, they'll mention Isle's name, they'll mention Trent's name. You know or you know like Lou Goody just talked about you know, <laughs> him getting to you know he's he, he knew the recruiting class that's ahead of him and he's trying to bring kids in with him. So from a national standpoint, and I think this is scary for the rest of the Big Ten because you know they didn't want to see Illinois become what they you know what they're becoming right now, and it's very noticeable if they keep this up. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to win Big Ten championship year after year, but the days of them finishing eighth and ninth and tenth in the Big Ten, I think those days are done for a long time, as long as they keep the staff together. Kendrick, you mentioned uh, that Illinois. I think you mentioned that they've got a couple more guys pretty close. Can you give us any more uh, information on that? Which ones are looking at? I tell you, I talked to a guy, um, Jordan Nesbitt, last you know last week and. This kid, and, and his was different, Lauren. I mean, I would talk to recruits three or four years ago. They would talk about Illinois because I asked the question. You know, Jordan talked to me last week, and this kid found out loves University of Illinois. He loves Tim Coleman. He really loves Orlando. Um, you know, he, if, you know, I think, you know, the scholarship was offered to him, but I think, you know, Illinois has to kind of, you know, position themselves to which kid is the best for them, what's the best fit. Because I've not seen kids say to me, you know, um, on a scale from 1 to 10, you know, how much do you like Illinois? Five years ago, it was a 5 or 6. This kid told me it was a 10, you know. Uh, you know, you look at Brandon Weston. That's another kid, you know, Morgan Park, who really, really likes Illinois. You know, they you know, they got they, they have bigs now that are interested in them. So, I don't – it's hard to say who they're going to get because there's, you know, graduate transfers and – all this transfers out there, like you know, Steve, you mentioned the transfer list. You're right, it says 745. There's 149 grad transfers, you know, and something I don't know if you guys saw this morning, but Danny Manning got fired a few minutes ago. So, oh, did he maybe on the board again? So, hmm. yes, he did. So, there's a, yeah, so there's a lot of possibilities out there for them, but I do know that they're gonna have to replace some size because at some point, whether it's this year or next year, you know, you're probably gonna lose Kofi. You know, so but they have options and things they haven't had that in a long, long time. You mentioned Weston is is uh, Weston going to go back to Morgan Park or is he going to go to prep school? I heard he was he was going to go to prep school. So that was my understanding. You know, a lot of people were asking about Jordan Nesbitt doing the same thing. I mean, he told me the other day that he's looking at reclassifying as well. So um, it's kind of hard to say. But then again, with these new NCAA rules that they may pass. You know, with the changes of the ACT and SAT scores, you know, it may change what a lot of kids are doing as far as college. And that's why I, I give the staff credit because they're not just jumping the gun because they have a scholarship available. You know, you got to take the best prospect and what's the best fit and best need for the program. So I respect that because that will affect what they do, you know, long term. Are Weston and Nesbitt similar players? Yes, they are. I mean, they're similar players, and, and for me, I have mixed feelings on it because, one, you know, I don't want to contradict myself. He's, well, Brandon's an Illinois kid, but then Jordan is a kid that is just, 
I mean, it's hard to find kids like that. I mean, he's just a he to me is a generic version, if you will, of of a young kiddie battle. He's very, very athletic and he's confident. You know, the kid. You know, I, I was talking to him about rankings and he challenged me. You know, to say, hey, you know what? I'll play any kid any anywhere, anytime. Those are the kind of kids when when I hear comments like that. When you see Coach Underwood and Chin Coleman and you know and all those guys on the staff, they're aggressive and those are the kind of kids that they like. Io, Io's the same way. Adam Miller's the same way. And Luke Goody is a lot better than what, than what people realize. And Brad's recruiting kids to fit his needs, and they're players that are similar to their mold and to their they're very very, very competitive kids. They're not going to back down. You look at the Iowa game this year, four years ago, five years ago, when Iowa punked Illinois, they would have just ran away. Those kids fall back cleanly, and they competed, and they won. So it's a different look now. It's going to be a lot different, I think, for fans, and you can tell the buzz around the program and nationally. It's looking good. You hear national guys now talking about Illinois, you know, about recruiting and talking about them in the top 25 or top 30 next season. So it's in a good place right now. Another minute or two with Kedrick Prince from Rivals.com, Orange and Blue News. The transfer portal you mentioned is about 750. One of those guys in there um, made a verbal commitment yesterday, Francis Okoro, from, uh, who played in the Bloomington Normal area. Illinois recruited him heavily. A lot of folks thought Illinois might be in this time as well, but he decided he's going to St. Louis University. Did that surprise you at all, Kedrick? I did at one point in time, and then, you know, from a really, really good source, you know, I found out that the reason why Illinois and a lot of other schools, sometimes it's just not a good fit, and some kids can't handle the pressure. I remember, I mean, and it wasn't just me. I, I reported it once where he told me that it was going to Illinois would be a lot of pressure for him. That was one of the reasons why he didn't pick Illinois to begin with. He couldn't deal with that. And then, obviously, going out to Oregon, he wasn't as successful as people thought he would be, and from my understanding it again, again, he just, the amount of pressure having to play in the Power 5 conference and, you know, having to play in the Big Ten and live up to expectations, I, he's just not one of those kids. And that's okay. That's not a bad thing, and people should knock him for that. He's not one of those kids who want to be in the limelight and play, you know, at a, at a North Carolina, Iowa, Iowa State, or Illinois, then so be it. But I know there was some interest there, but, I mean, I think it was put to rest pretty soon. Hey, Kedrick, appreciate your time, and uh, we'll be uh, seeing you, we hope, one of these days soon. But thanks for uh, taking some time with us this morning. No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. You bet. Kedrick Prince from Rivals.com, Orange and Blue News, at 945. We'll take a break, and Ron Chin Coleman from the Illinois basketball coaching staff will join us after this. Stay with us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Hey, 948, Illini on Saturday Sports Talk rolling on here on News Talk 1400, WDWS with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. The phone line is open, 356-9397. We say good morning to Ron Chin Coleman, Illini assistant basketball coach who joins us. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Lauren, Steve, I'm great, man. How are you guys doing? I hope all is well with you guys doing this uh pandemic that we're going through but i'm doing great yeah these are unusual times and uh, i know it's changing the way that everybody does their jobs how's it affecting you personally what's uh give me a typical day right now for chin coleman well fortunately for us we got a mobile office we can 
our phones is kind of like our office, so we kind of work all over the world. Any place we can, it can be our office because of uh, we can take our laptop and our phone with us and set up shop and be able to work. So we've been able to uh, uh, still communicate um, as, as far as our staff is concerned. We do a lot of uh, group calls, a lot of FaceTime calls, and uh, the, the, the big one is the Zoom. That's like the, the, the hottest topic right now is we do a lot of Zoom calls with our staff, our players, uh, and, and everybody involved in our program. So we've been able to communicate and stay in contact and connection with each other during uh, this time with, with just technology and phones and computers and Zooms and all that stuff. Well, one of those thing, the uh, things we wanted to talk to you about was the uh, signing this week of Adam Miller. You've uh, known him for a long time. Uh, tell us more about him. What kind of player you're, you're getting in him? Uh, we're getting one of the most uh, dynamic players in the country. Um, I, uh, Adam Miller is, is, is truly a, a dynamic scorer. He's a very skilled player, but uh, I think, he gives us uh, the ability to stretch the floor a little bit because he obviously can shoot it and he can he can shoot it with range. He can shoot it off the bounce. He can get to the basket. He's so athletic with his, his physicality, with his body already being uh, physically fit and prepared, coming in early, and that, that won't be a problem. Um, a great kid, unbelievable kid in terms of who he is and character-wise. He's a hard worker. He, he, he works on his game constantly. I know right now he's going crazy because he's not able to spend uh, 20 hours in the gym and sleep for eight. That's the kind of kid he is. <laughs> uh, we're getting a, I mean, it, it goes without saying, we're getting a really, really, really good player, one of the best players in the country. Well, Chen, this is Lauren. Uh, talk about your relationship with Nick Irvin and, and, and how and Io's part in this whole thing. I mean, I, I would think that bringing in Io two years ago uh, – was a factor in in, uh, in 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 building that relationship that uh, now has succeeded with uh, with Miller. Um, I think that it did have some effect on it. I think that Adam Miller watched closely on how uh, things turned out for Io, how Io was utilized here, how much success he had. Um, I think he watched that. I think for the most part, though. The, the, the very start of this thing was faith. Um, when we, we took over the job, we weren't selling hope or, or anything like that. We were selling faith, if, if you want to use the word selling, because we, we had to have people believe in the unseen. We knew that um, given the opportunity with our plan and our vision that we would do what we did this year and we would, we would do this every year once we got to this point. And we had to have guys that believe in us. We had to have relationships, and we had to have the rapport with guys that believed in us and knew and shared our vision. And I think Mike Irvin, Nick Irvin, and those guys, and uh, Io's dad, Q, they all believed in us. And and, uh, and Io, obviously, was strong enough to take a leap of faith and, and to believe in us and give us the opportunity to, to, to share our vision and to uh, see it coming to fruition. So... When that happened, obviously, as a young Adam watching and looking, and obviously we recruited him from early on, uh, and I targeted him from early on, he watched that. And, and um, to see it all happen the way we said it would happen this year, I think was enough for him. It was, a, it was enough proof for him to see that I can do uh, all of what I want to do and reach my dreams and my goals right here at home. And, 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 and something that I think 
he wanted to do uh, really on the, on the anyways, but uh, he, he had to see it in order to believe it and to join it. And so him seeing it with IO, seeing it with the success we had this year that we said we would have and the way that the program is being built right now and the way that the, the momentum of what we're doing, I think that it was easier for him to, to join. You've got another uh, five weeks or so before uh, uh, they close down the uh, the NBA draft, whereby uh, I think after June 3, the players can't pull out. Can you tell us where you think Io and Kofi are in terms of their view of things right now as far as the draft is concerned and the possibility of coming back? I think that they're both strategically um, uh, taking their time with this plan and executing this plan. I think that they both are very smart. I think that um, uh, both guys would do what's best for them, whether it is to come back or whether it is to stay in the draft. I think that they're collecting all of the information that they can at this point right now. There's a lot of intel uh, out right now, and they're collecting it all. And I think at the end of the day, they'll sit down and with, with, with the people in their, in their circles and, and, and um, make the right decision that's best for them. Um, I think that there is a small percentage that both of them could come back. And I think that there's a small percentage that they can um, stay in. So we're prepared either way. Um, if they do decide to, to come back, we're, we're prepared and, uh, obviously, it, it helps the University of Illinois and our basketball team be better. But if one of them decides to stay in and one of them decides to come back, there's a lot of different uh, scenarios and ways this thing can play out. And we're just uh, there for both of them. We're, we're, we're helping them out as much as we can with the information, with, 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 with all of the intel. And then at the end of the day, uh, they got to collect that information and make a uh, decision that's best for them. Another couple of minutes with Illinois basketball assistant coach Jen Coleman. Tell us about a couple of guys that you know a lot more about than we do. A couple of transfers, Austin Hutcherson and Jacob Grandison. You saw them in practice in their sit-out year. Tell us what Illinois fans can expect from those two guys. A um, little different um, in terms of their skill package. They're, they're both different. Um, Jacob, I recruited um, – and Jacob is uh, from Holy Cross. He was uh, obviously the, the league scorer and, and best player on Holy Cross. So he's done it, and he's done it on this level before. So uh, he's going to give you a lot of intangibles. He's very, very, very good between the ears. He's a good cerebral player. Um, he can score. He can rebound. He can pass. He's really smart and intelligent. And we wanted to improve in that area. Um because you, you have to have that in this league. This is an intelligent league. Not being so smart gets you beat in this league, Steve. So uh, being able to uh, play the between-the-ears game is, is very important uh, for schematics and, and, and what we try to do and what other teams try to do in this league. So uh, Jacob is going to give us a little bit of everything. I think he can play multiple positions because uh, he has size, length at 6'6". Um, so you're going to get a, a, a little bit of intangible fill in the blanks um, with Jacob. Obviously, he scored a bunch at Holy Cross, but you're going to get a little bit of everything with him. As far as uh, Austin is concerned, he's a uh, big-time athlete, big-time shooter. He can really, really, really shoot the ball. He can handle it. He can pass it. You're going to get some versatility at the guard position from him with some length, some size, and some athleticism. 
with a, a guy who can knock down shots at a high rate. So, um, and because of his length and his athleticism, he's going to be a really good uh, defender. And he's getting stronger and, 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 and as it goes. And these are two guys that have been in our system already, so we expect for them to be ready uh, to go. These guys went up against our guys every day. So it's like Austin had to guard Io every day or Jake had to guard Io every day. So these guys are prepared uh, on a little bit prepared than any newcomer um, coming in. So we're excited about them because they have the experience. They put the time in with our strength guy already, so they understand the part for the course. They understand what we're about. They understand how hard it is that you have to work. They're already involved and entrenched in our culture, so we're happy and excited about them. We're looking for big things from both of them. I know what you're going to say on this, but how did they stack up when, when they played in, the, you know, in, in practice, in games? I mean, actual situations where they were competing, um, trying to score baskets as well as stop the other guy. How did they stack up? They all had days. They all had days where they, they, they both had their moments where there were days where uh, Austin was really, really good. And they were, they were, and he couldn't be stopped. And there were days where Jake were really, really good, and and and, and he couldn't be stopped. So uh, they made our scout team really good. And, and and I'm gonna be honest with you guys, when they both were healthy, and then our scout, our, our scout team, um, they gave us a great look for other teams. Like uh, I mean, and that helped us win basketball games. Don't let's not take that for granted. These guys, these were two main guys on our scout team that gave us unbelievable looks whether it was Michigan, Iowa, Rutgers, Wisconsin, uh, um, you, you name it. These guys these guys put on those hats, put on those jerseys, and, and gave us unbelievable looks and, and gave us the opportunity to prepare and win basketball games. They were big time in that. I bet it's been a while since you've been around the house this long for any period of time. Is your family uh, okay with you being around like this? The family is great. They're loving it. I'm, I'm not, though. I, 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 I I got cabin fever, Bubby. I, I'm not used to, to to this. I've been in the house for 40 plus days straight, and they're asking me to do another 30 whatever days. It's going to be hard for me. I'm 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 getting a little anxious. I, I I've done a lot of stuff that I've never ever done. I'm I'm a city guy, you know. I'm so I'm all about the bricks and the loud noises <laughs> and the sirens and the horns and the and all the hustle and bustle. So I become domesticated. I planted eight, <laughs> eight bu- I, I planted eight bushes. I put together uh, patio furniture. I bought uh, remote control cars, uh, remote control boats to put on the uh, retention ponds in the lakes behind my house and around the area. I'm 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 doing stuff that I uh, I, I never ever ever would have thought I've done just to be creative and to keep myself busy. I'm sure I'm driving my family crazy, my my wife and my my daughter, but. Um, we're getting along. It's 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 cool. And, and and on the other side, we're spending a lot of time together. Last night we played some game. I can't even name the game we played. We're playing a bunch of games. We're we're doing uh, TikTok stuff. We're doing dance contests. Me and my daughter. We're just we're just doing all kind of crazy stuff, man. Just anything to to stay busy. But it's it's precious time, precious time that you can't get back. So I'm loving it. You might have had, might have found some uh, some handyman skills you didn't <laughs> know you had, right? I I I still don't know. I had. I'm not sure how long this patio furniture is gonna gonna, gonna hold up. But so far, so good. Uh, uh, the bushes are looking good. They're not growing yet. I don't know how long it takes for them to grow. But I planted them uh, with my hard work. So we'll see what happens. Hey, Chin, we appreciate your time. Always good to catch up with you and uh, have a good rest of the day and weekend. 
Thanks, man. You guys do, do the well. Do the same. Thank you. We'll do it. That's Ron Chin Coleman on Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Hour number one is in the books. Back with hour number two after this. Stay with us. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, hour number two. In that first hour, we uh, say thanks to Illini Assistant Basketball coach Chin Coleman, upcoming Illinois basketball player Luke Goody, who joins us from Fort Wayne, Indiana. He's a 2021 verbal commitment to Illinois. And thanks to Kedrick Prince as well from Rivals.com, talking about basketball recruiting and Illinois hoops. Coming up in this hour, I'm going to focus some on golf. Mike Small, Illinois golf coach, will join us at 1030. And our first guest here in the uh, second hour of the show is Teddy Greenstein from Chicago uh, Tribune. Good morning, Teddy. You're on with uh, Steve Kelly and Lauren Tate. How are you? How are you guys? Good morning. We're doing well, and we're both, uh, as you are, fans of the game of golf. And we got a little bit of good news this week with golf courses reopening. There are some uh, restrictions around, which... uh, you can agree with or not. I guess it doesn't matter at this point. But uh, your thoughts on getting golf back uh, in the state of Illinois? Yeah, it's definitely mostly good news. Um, you know, look, the states around us have already had golf. Uh, Indiana and Iowa never shut it down. Wisconsin and Minnesota, those governors realize that it's uh, an activity that you can really do safely. You can social distance. You don't have to touch anything other than, you know, your tees, your clubs, and your balls. Essentially, you pay for the round online. Don't touch any flag sticks. There are no rakes. There are no ball washers. So it's a great, safe sport, great way for, you know, those of us who love to get exercise. So Illinois went ahead and approved it for May 1st, but with uh, a couple unusual rules, one of which is twosomes only. So they're taking social distancing to an extreme. And also they said uh, you cannot – uh, arrive early and uh, use the chipping area or putting green. Uh, they don't want people to congregate. So it certainly is better than nothing, but uh, I think the twosome rule is pretty goofy. I, I agree with that, and they're kind of taking some of the fun out of it. Uh, obviously, I, I don't know about you, but I'm a guy that likes to practice, and you can't do that. You can't go yeah. out and you know kill a couple of hours at the driving range or on the practice uh, putting and chipping green. So, But I guess uh, a little bit is better than nothing, right? Yeah, that really is it. I mean, it's better to have, you know, a half a burger than no burger, I suppose. Um, I, I'm with you. I mean, I've, I've been going to a course in Indiana called Palmyra, which is uh, which is quite fun. It's only about 28 bucks to walk. They have good practice areas. I don't need to hit balls, but I definitely like to uh, chip and putt. And, you know, I've been doing that within not within 10 or 12 feet of any other human. So <laughs> it's overboard, but it is better than nothing. Well, uh have now a lot of people from our area have gone to Indiana, and I know people in Chicago area are going down to, into the into the Hammond area and, and St. John and that, and and we see the same thing in in, uh, in on the west side. They go to Iowa from uh, from the west side of the state, and then down around St. Louis. I believe you could play in Missouri too. I mean, is oh, do yeah. they have rules this restrictive in the other state? I know you've done a study on a lot of this stuff. Are they that restrictive in other states? 
Yeah, Lauren, it just depends. Um, the course in Indiana where I've played, all, I have not seen a cart out on the course, but I think if you are a member there, um, you can do it. You have to pay extra because if anybody takes a cart, yeah, they have to like hose it down and sanitize afterwards. I've read in Wisconsin has no carts at all. So I think it just depends on the state and maybe even uh, the course. Okay. Uh, uh, do, you, uh, do you expect this to hold? I mean, this twosome idea, how long would you expect this to hold up? It's a good question, man. It probably depends on uh, when the cases in the state start to drop. And as you guys know, they're still on the rise, which is which is uh, troubling. Maybe that's due to more testing. But I think that, you know, if, if they went ahead and said twosomes only, and I believe Illinois is the only state to do that, they're probably going to keep it for, you know, you'd figure at least till May 15th. But hopefully they'll uh, relax the rules as we get uh, deeper into the summer. Okay, we're going to flip flop on you over to the Jordan rules, the, uh, yeah. the, uh, the last dance. What did what, you think of those first two? And we're going to see a couple more uh, tomorrow, huh? Yeah, Lauren, I've watched them both twice. I absolutely loved them. I mean, you know, you've got raw footage that's so fun to watch, and you've got highlights that you forget, like when Michael Jordan hits that lefty layup when he's a Carolina, it's about 10 feet high on the backboard. Um, you know, I know Scottie Pippen a little bit, but I didn't even know that he was one of 12 kids. I didn't know that he arrived at Central Arkansas as the team manager. And I had actually, uh, like, I'd forgotten about Michael Jordan's minutes restriction, seven minutes a half when he came back from the, the broken foot. So there's so much good stuff in there presented really well. Um, I've been working on some stories kind of tangential to it. I wrote about Jerry Krause. I filed some recently about Doug Collins. And I just a minute ago filed a, a Q&A with Jeffrey Jordan, Michael's oldest son. So we're certainly uh, eating it up for all it's worth. And I had a great time watching it. Did uh, Jerry Krause get a bum rap in all this? How well did you uh, know him? You know, I had a little bit of a dealing with Jerry. Um, I wrote about kind of a funny story. I was 23 or 24 covering Bulls practice one day. And Phil Jackson was really outspoken about how bad the relationship had gotten with Jerry. So I decided to call Jerry, you know, get his side of things. Um, and he responds to me. He says, well, you know, I hired Phil when he was out in the street and without a job. So about five minutes later, I get a call from Jerry's secretary saying he wants to talk again. I said, okay. He says, Teddy, you know, he's much, he's much chummier this time. He says, would you mind changing that to out of coaching <laughs> and didn't have a job? So I said, I thought about it. I said, you know, we're really not supposed to do that with quotes. Uh, you know, you got to say off the record before, but I'll tell you what, I, I, I'll make the change, Jerry, but you got to give me your cell phone number. <laughs> so <laughs> we made that, we made that trade. He did, but uh, I don't really think I ever called him because we had so many other Bulls riders at the time were focusing on the quote unquote news. I was doing more uh, sidebar stuff. Visiting with uh, Teddy Greenstein. Here's a multi-million dollar question for you. Will there be college football? In the fall. Yeah, Steve, I'm so skeptical about that at this point, and it would absolutely, it kills me to say it, but it just seems like there's so many reasons people are going to find to say no rather than to say yes. Um, you know, our campuses even going to be open. It's hard to believe that all of them are going to be open and, and kind of have regular classes. So for, you know, if there's just one university president or athletic director who says, no, I'm not having college football. I'm not having the students play college football if the students aren't on campus. I think that's all it takes for the whole thing to come crashing down. You know, obviously it would take an, an, an enormous amount of testing. 
Um, there's just so much that has to go into it in terms of travel and large numbers of people and trainers and coaches and all that, where I just think it's, it, it's so unlikely at this point. It's, uh, it's painful. You know, I think with the NFL, they're more likely to say, okay, let's do whatever we can. We'll quarantine everyone we have to, to, uh, to produce a product for television, but it just doesn't sound like college football is going to take that tag. Uh, do you see the possibility? We're already seeing uh, geographical changes. I mean, things are happening in different parts of the country. Do you see that happening? Yeah. Could that happen in football? Could the SEC have a have a, a season and, and without the rest of the country having it? Lauren, it, it really doesn't sound like that. I mean, everything I've read and people I've talked to, it sounds like it's all or nothing. So, you know, you've got areas of the country that are much more affected uh, than others. And, yeah, I mean, certainly there are tons of areas that you'd say, okay, the, the cases have been kind of low, go ahead and play college football. But, I mean, they have to play against each other. Uh, they need other teams. It, it just, it's hard to conceive of, you know, 80 of the 120 schools saying, okay, let's do it, and then they can have a college football season. I don't know how that would work. Yeah, well, <laughs> We're, we're looking at all kinds of possibilities. What else are you working yeah. on these days in terms of uh, columns? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been busier than, than I would have thought, uh, you know, certainly in a good way. I mean, there there's, have been a lot of golf stories related to whether people can play. Um, I'm pursuing a story about uh, a, a doctor from the state of Washington named Ryan Padgett, who played on Northwestern's Rose Bowl team and was written about by the New York Times. He was uh, a doctor, an ER doc. Uh, who, who went in on the early going on the front lines and helped try to save a lot of the folks um, from the uh, nursing home out there in Washington that, that you know, was really ground zero. For oh, them. yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, there, there was things I was working on related to the Masters. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see if they can pull off a November Masters. I think there's a much better chance of that, of course, than college football. Uh, easier to isolate uh, golf-wise that we talked about. So, um, and then I've been writing a little bit about some social media figures like uh, Tim Doyle and got something coming up on uh, Luke Canellis. So um, it's well, good. There's still, you just, you got to be creative. Um, you know, if for Shannon covering Illinois with, with all the recruiting news, there's been a lot of stuff there. There hasn't been a ton about Northwestern, although they did lose a forward uh, Jared Jones to the transfer portal the other day. Uh, you mentioned um, Jeff Jordan. Uh, what, what is he doing now? He played for Illinois, you know, in, in uh, 2008 and 2009. <laughs> I remember when Michael Jordan came to the games and everybody was, the game is going on, everybody's, you can look at their heads and everybody's watching Michael Jordan. But uh, what's Jeff Jordan doing these days? Yeah, man, Jeff is such a nice young man. He's 31, he lives out in Oregon, and he works for Nike. He does uh, digital for the Jordan brand. He's recently married, and we just had a super nice chat about okay. uh, The Last Dance and you know, being Michael's son and all that. There's really not much been written about him, especially lately. Uh, so I hope you have uh, good memories of him at, at U of I. I have, certainly have him uh, talking about those times in the story. Hey, Teddy, appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Enjoyed it, Stephen Lauren. Have a great one. See you, bud. Thanks, Thank Teddy. Teddy Greenstein from the Chicago Tribune. As we move up on 10:15, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, we've got time for an open line. If you'd like to jump in, Mike Small will join us at 10:30. We'd love to hear from you, 356-9397. We're back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk in just a moment.
1018 on Illini Fellows, Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 11. Got some callers on the line. 356-9397 is the number if you'd like to join us. Let's uh, go to Eric in Champaign. Good morning, Eric. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, I've been following um, every week on the show, and, and I had some potentially good news um, uh, for my wife who works at the university. They had um, a meeting with the IT department um, yesterday, actually, and the uh, the discussion was about um, how they're going to you know give every effort to do uh, you know the, the classes on campus in the fall with mm-hmm. the social distancing in mind and the idea is is they're going to you know they can't have the big you know 600 people at Follinger classes or you know regular 20 people but they think like 10 to a class and what the idea is is to be able to split up and have more classes at different times of the day, you know, throughout the whole day and even into the evening. So they're getting creative. Um, They're actually, you know, working on this, you know, currently at this point to try to do all they can because like uh, President Colleen was saying, you know, that uh, that's their their entire focus right now. So that's from a point of view of actually having things on on campus is is obviously very important if we're going to have any. And not just football. I mean, basketball is not happening any time in the fall if they don't have any classes either. And I don't really think we've even talked about that yet. Well, that's right. Um, If there's no classes, there's neither sport. But what what they're doing, they're planning to have classes. And they're also got a group that, a different group that's planning not to have classes. I mean, everybody's planning. They've got planning committees all over the place these days. And and uh, I know for certain that there are definitely plans being made in case they can't have classes. It's just, just you know, you have to plan for everything, right? Yeah, both contingencies. It, it was good. It was good to hear that they they actually have you know concrete ideas and, mm-hmm. and stuff that they're they're going to do in in lieu of. So um, I just wanted to share. Uh, sounded like some positive thoughts and ideas to me. Yeah, I I think it's it's like. Uh, Restaurants and and everybody else are they're making plans on what they can do in case and and I think you're going to see a lot of separation. You're going to see tables further apart and and you're going to see smaller classes at the U of I and I'm afraid that you might see some universities that like McMurray that don't come back. That's possible. Certainly, yeah. we, I, how many uh, I've, I've heard what a half a dozen have already folded this year, haven't they? I mean, in the last there's month. There's um, one in Ohio, Urbana yeah. University. Been yeah. there since 1850. Yeah, they closed the doors there just yeah. in the last week or so. Anything else, Eric? You know, I uh, not good. Well, I was just gonna say the only thing I haven't heard about is any talk or thoughts about how they would do fans in the stands. If that is even being considered, so I'm just wondering what you guys thought or heard about that. Okay, appreciate the call. What Hi. do you what do you think about that, Lauren? Like <laughs> seating somebody in every sixth seat or something? You, you, you could, could do that. You I could guess. try to do it. It'd be kind of hard to to enforce it, perhaps. But well, I think you can enforce it unless you I mean, took seats out. <laughs> you can't really take seats out. No, I I just I think that you can actually sell tickets that way. I mean, the tickets right. have numbers on them, and you yeah. could you could. Uh, but who wants to set six? Feet from their wife and kids, or exactly. and who's who's going to come in if other big groups are coming in? Who wants who wants to do that? I don't I don't know. I mean, there are people that will, but the numbers would be very small. And of course, the, the numbers at the University of Illinois are small anyway. Well, they only made six or so million dollars out of ticket sales in football last year. Ohio State made fifty million Let's go, uh, on ticket sales. Back to the phones, Mike in Monticello. Hey, Mike. Uh, good morning, guys. A uh, couple things. Uh, one was I wanted to discuss a couple of 
basketball rules, but I, the discussion about whether or not they would have football, I just got online to check the 1918 Illinois football schedule. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first game was played, they did play seven games in 1918, and the first game was played October 4th. Now, uh, I don't know where that was in relationship to the flu pandemic. Well, but, look in 1916 you know, and look in 1920, and you'll see the number of games is not very many in those days, and they always started right. later. Yes, because I did look at 1917 the year before, and this is the same thing. They played, I believe, seven games. First game was like October the 6th. So it it seems to me that even though we had this extreme pandemic then, uh, they did play. So anyway, yeah, through yeah, that they out. sure but, did. They did call off one but, of the games, and they played the Ohio State game. They drew 3,000 or it was 2,500, somewhere in that neighborhood, and, and that was their biggest draw of the season. Okay, twenty uh, twenty five hundred people. I think it was. I think it was twenty five. It could have been three thousand. Well, you say twenty five hundred. That's when the uh, before, of course, they hit the uh, Memorial Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how many how many uh, seats were there for Illinois football when they were down somewhere around Old Men's Gym? You know the, the I, north and I, the old. Now, the, my recollection, and boy, I'm in trouble here, but I, my recollection is they had around six thousand seats. I may be so wrong. you didn't attend any of those games, right? Oh, Mark? yeah, I was there every game. <laughs> <laughs> if you're having trouble, we're all having trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I will tell you, when, uh, I, when I took my physical education classes in, in 1950, uh, we, ran around the, we ran around the quarter-mile track that was around the field at that time on, on just directly north of Kenny Gym. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, well, I entered school in 64, and I can remember uh, uh, I had a little bit of an invite. It's a walk on a baseball, but uh, uh, I was in architecture, and I thought there's no way I could, even if I could hang on. Uh, but, uh, no, I remember when the ball field, baseball field was up there. I went to a lot oh, of yeah. games. But uh, yeah. my questions, I've got two quick questions, and that relates to uh, any NCAA rule changes that are coming up for basketball. I have two comments. One, this is personal. I really dislike the fact that they got rid of the five-second count on defense. I, 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 you know, when you have someone that can pressure the ball, it kind of takes that away. Uh, I wish they would reinstall the five-second count. Uh, the other is we have so much stoppage, it seems, for various reasons, you're going to check to see if the it was a three-point shot or a two. They usually wait till there's a uh, legitimate timeout. However, at other times there's stoppage in play, and the team that has possession of the ball has already inbounded it, and when they stop that clock, it gives the defense an opportunity to pressure the inbounds pass, which you know is is doesn't seem to be quite fair. To me, it would seem that if the officials have stopped play for whatever reason, that they should award the offense basically a free hand in. Hand in. Because otherwise, it gives the defense 
an additional opportunity to pressure the ball, five-second count or whatever. So those are my only comments, but uh, I guess we'll never all be happy with all the rules. Well, but, good uh, comments. You know, you're right. We'll never be happy with all the rules, but, it, uh, you know, they keep, they keep changing them. And I'm not going to yes, complain about the rules. I just want to see some games. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, well, there, you, there, there you go. You know, and, and one other quick comment. You know, you think about this with uh, stadiums, the six-foot separation. I know it's going to be complicated, whatever they do. But the other way would be instead of removing seats, have a alternate rows that have no seating. Because I'm guessing that the separation between two rows, not the direct row in front or behind, is about six feet. And then you place them down. So that's, you know, just. That's a good thought. Yeah, that's uh, one way you could do it. Although you still couldn't set people right next to each other, I guess, under these rules. Right. Right. But uh, you could still maintain the six foot separation. And that's going to give you that grid of six feet and six feet. So uh, really reduces the uh, capacity of these arenas and stadiums. But, uh, you know, a few people in there is better than, than none, in my opinion. So, all right, that's all I had. So uh, have a good day, guys. Thanks. You too, Mike. Thanks for the call. Steve in Princeton's been hanging on for a little bit. Go ahead, Steve. You're on the air. Yes, this is for Lauren. But in the shelter at home, I've been doing a lot of research back through history of basketball, football, and different things. But with the passing of Harv Schmidt, and you were talking about Dave Scholes at Decatur, I came across the name of Ken Barnes. Now, I was in the third grade, and I don't remember the championship game in 62, uh, Stephen Decatur and Carver, but Kenny Barnes hit the winning free throw with one, I don't know, six seconds to go or something. They won by a point. But what I do remember is in October of 65, they had a Fellowship of Christian Athletes rally on a Sunday afternoon at Princeton High School gym. And that place was packed with 1,500 people, and they had John Erickson and Kenny Barnes come and speak. And Kenny Barnes filled that place. And then I looked at him, and they said he was an all-state tight end or end for two years. He won the shot and discus in high school and hit that winning free throw. And I just was wondering if Lauren, you know, studied much about Ken or remembers much about him. Well, I, re- I remember him, but I don't remember anything beyond what you're telling me. But I just wondered, I thought, you know, Decatur was supposed to be kind of pro-Illinois, how Kenny Barnes got out of uh, Decatur to Wisconsin. Well, I sure don't know the answer to that, but there are a lot of players that got out of the state of Illinois and, or even central Illinois and went elsewhere, I mean. I have no idea. But I just wonder if you remember him being a great athlete when he was in high school. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, I do remember him, and I remember him specifically basketball-wise. And in that era, you know, the Decatur, Champaign, they were leading in Taylorville and all around here. We had tremendous basketball that ranked at the very top of the state. That that has really changed now. Everything is in the metropolitan areas pretty much. But that was a pretty good air with uh, Kenny Barnes, Cassie Russell, Don Freeman, Dave Scholes. I mean, there were some legends there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, Steve. Yeah, appreciate the call. 1030 WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a break. We'll keep the phone lines open. Mike Small 
will join us here in a couple of minutes on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk back after this. Moving up on 1033 and on IPella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you until 11. Phone line open 356-9397. Illinois men's golf coach Mike Small is on the line with us. You got any cabin fever going there, uh, Mr. Small? Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Lauren. Uh, yeah, I do. I'm <laughs> climbing the walls. Somebody asked, asked me the other day what I'm doing. I said I have a new hobby called wall climbing. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, we need to find a way to get that on TV and maybe make some money on it somehow and some competition. But uh, give us a little bit of an idea of, uh, of what you're doing these days, how you're kind of just uh, maintaining as best you can. Well, before I get into that, Steve, I just want to give a shout out again to, you know, listen to some of your first hour with uh, the basketball and the job Brad and his staff with Orlando and Chen and the entire staff, the job they're doing just as a basketball fan and Illini, obviously grad and, and following basketball my whole life, these guys are doing a wonderful, phenomenal job of recruiting and bringing in the, the players, changing the culture. It's just fun to watch. So I just wanted to give Brad a shout-out on that. It's something that we're all very impressed with. So, But, um, yeah, just staying busy, just trying to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the phone a lot. I know we've, we've all talked about it. The Zoom, the Zoom conferencing thing has become a big deal, and um, it's something we're on all day long. It's something we have to be on, and it's it's really productive. We're getting a lot of stuff done around here, and uh, – and just doing a lot of networking, a lot of uh, budget stuff, a lot of scheduling stuff for our team next year under, under the new maybe new budgets that are coming our way that we have to have to, pre- have to prepare for. And, uh, you know, we're also building facilities right now. So it's just a busy time for us, even though we're not playing golf. Have you got guys scattered out uh, pretty much around the country? And I guess maybe some of them will be in places where they can they can play. And certainly in Illinois, starting next Friday, they can get out there a little bit. But uh, you got guys all over? I do, Steve. I got uh, well. Michael Fiegels has been in Arizona since the, since day one. He's been playing golf nonstop, so he's doing well. And um, Giovanni has been hanging out with hanging out with uh, Nick Hardy up in Chicago, and they go to Indiana every day and play golf course over the state line. And um, I think Brendan O'Reilly was in Florida for most of the time. And um, my two international guys uh, that stayed in town, Adrian and Jerry, have been hanging out with uh, Tommy Cool and Morton. So now this uh, this um, you know the golf courses are open now. It's gonna be great for those guys. So. They're all staying busy. We're we're in contact once every couple of days and just making sure they're doing some doing some things productive. But um, they all seem to be doing well. They they say that the class work, the online classes aren't as difficult or not as tricky as they thought they'd be. So that's encouraging. And uh, you know, I think that for the guys in the state now, they're excited to get out and play, even though it's got some restrictions on it. They still get out and play some golf. Yeah. Speaking of those restrictions, do you have a thought at all about the the twosome uh, restriction that uh, the governor put on? Yeah, you know, again, I'm not in those meetings, and I don't really know what goes on really in depth about this virus and how it spreads. I, mean, I know how it spreads, but, um, you know, how, how serious it is when you get that close, that many people. But the twosome seems a little extreme to me. I mean, uh, you know, when you're playing golf, you know, Steve, you can play foursomes, and you can stay just as far away as, as, as twosomes can, too. So that's something that's going to frustrate some people. But, again, golf is better than no golf, so you can't really argue with that right now. And we just got to follow the instructions. I know the the golf associations in the state, the PGA and the CDGA have all sent out reminders to all the PGA members and professionals in the state to uh, please, please adhere to these rules. Cause if we don't adhere to these rules, we, you know, it's been already shown that the governor and the government will, will draw back golf. So we got to follow what they say, at least for the near term and until they change these rules. But 
Um, you know, the cart thing, I know it's a lot of guys, I got a lot of emails yesterday and texts from friends are upset about not, not being able to take a cart because some of these guys can't walk, these older guys that, that would struggle. And that's something that uh, I think they made a little amendment to, um, which is great. But um, I, I still think they're, they're encouraging people to walk a lot. So Tucson's walking is going to be, going to be, uh, if you look at it, there's eight people, eight, eight groups in one hour on the golf course. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I mean, eight people. Four groups, eight yeah. people playing golf one time on a golf course, which doesn't seem like a very, you know, an awful lot, obviously. Not not for 200 acres. <laughs> there'd be, no. a, there'd be a, some open spaces out there, won't there? Uh, well, it's like 15-minute intervals in yep. Tucson. So you got eighteen, you got eight people playing over one hour on a golf course. There's some serious social distancing, but again, at least we're playing. Uh, am I correct that you cannot hit balls out of your deck at the indoor facility? Yeah, all the facilities are technically closed um, on campus, so we're trying to adhere to those. And obviously, you know, we we check up on it and kind of drive by and make sure everything's good to go. And um, but Mike Raymond's out working on the facility, keeping it obviously maintained. But uh, yeah, the players and and um, aren't allowed to be here, and the facilities aren't allowed to be open. That seems like an extreme decision to me. I mean, of course, a lot of the decisions are extreme. But you can go into a grocery store, but you can't walk into a uh, a place like that, that uh, where you'd be separated, the decks are each separate, and you, of course you'd have. <laughs> I don't know, I don't quite understand that part. But in any case, uh, what are you doing from a recruiting standpoint? Do you have any spots open for the coming year? Well, we have uh, Pearson Hunt coming in this fall, and um, he signed last year, and uh, he's a top one of the top players we believe in the. In the country, he's I think he's ranking has got into the top twenty or top twenty-five. So we're excited about that. But you know, we've had a younger team last couple of years, and obviously they're getting older quickly. But uh, we've been doing some recruiting, obviously for twenty-one class and twenty-two, you know, twenty-two with the coaches, and uh, just trying to plan for the future, Lauren. But right now we have one recruit coming in this fall, and uh, you know things could change. Obviously, with the with the transfer rules and with with um, an, an additional year, all these kids get. Um, that are currently on all these golf programs. I know the portal's gotten big and uh, a lot of movement. So you never say never, but, um, you know, you always stay on trying to stay on top of it. And Justin, my assistant, and, I, and, and we're, we're, on, we're online and we're checking those things as often as we can and just trying to keep a pulse on both our team and other teams across the country, to, you know, obviously to stay competitive. Well, I wanna, you brought up the, the situation where uh, the transfer thing, and you've had a situation where, where golfers could transfer for years uh, and be eligible. Uh, what do you uh, see if if this ha- – I mean, there seems to be a lot of concerns about basketball and football doing this, and there's going to be maybe a vote uh, maybe in June. Uh, may- I'm sorry, maybe in May, and maybe not. We don't know for sure, but they're, they're certainly considering. What's your reaction to the possibility of these other sports uh, actually being able to transfer and be immediately eligible? Yeah, we've been under that rule now since I've been coaching, and um, it's worked out well for golf to an extent because it was put in for for kids that had to transfer for personal reasons or you know or, or, or I guess to be in sports that weren't highly publicized and over highly competitive. But you know, all the sports have gotten so competitive now that um, you know that, that, that applies to all. But the biggest thing that I worry about the major sports going to um, transfer rules where they're allowed to transfer right away without sitting out a year is where does the recruiting stop? Um, in golf, I don't think the coaches continually recruit other teams' players while they're playing. Um, in basketball, football, I can't speak for those guys, but I know how competitive it is. And, um, you know, if, if players can leave on a whim 
and leave when they want, when does recruiting actually stop? That's the only one concern I have. And But, again, for our sport, um, there are no concerns. We've been operating under those rules for, shoot, over 20 years, and it's, it's, a, it's worked well. I think we've, you know, we haven't had a lot of kids transfer in or out. Um, and really in golf, it doesn't happen that often. Now, the last couple of years with this grad transfer thing, that's happened in golf um, a little more recently. But, um, you know, the biggest thing coaches' concern, concerns are is I think, you know, when you work so hard to recruit somebody, you work so hard to bring them into your family, and if things don't go well right away or they don't, um, you know, don't get to play or they, they have little issues, instead of fighting through those and, and, and learning how to deal with diversity and, you know, incorporating yourself into an organization and, and fighting back and having some success, after something didn't go so well early, um, those days may be gone now. It's so much easier to, to escape problems and escape adversity, and that's something that I don't think we really want to teach our kids at this time in their life. We want to teach them to, you know, pull their, pull their boots up and, you know, and, 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 and let's get after this thing and let's, let's change the course of the direction we were on and let's make things better instead of just running from them. Another couple of minutes with Mike Small, the Illini golf coach. Of course, this has put a lot of things on hold or on the back burner uh, with uh, the way things are going now, but is there anything you can say about the Stone Creek and what might be uh, the thinking there in the future for um, the U of I maybe acquiring Stone Creek? Yeah, um, obviously there's been there's been talk out there, and um, I'm, I'm probably not at liberty to say much until we actually, um, when that time actually comes, that the U of I does uh, take control over 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 Stone Creek, and um, you know that's something that's going to happen hopefully in the future, but. You know, nothing's for sure, I guess, in this world. But, um, you know, if that does happen, it's an exciting uh, proposition to, to continue to move Illinois golf forward and to, and to continue to big, have, have golf in this in this city. This is a golf-rich community, and that's something that's exciting. But, um, you know, again, those those are meetings that I'm not in. And uh, Josh is, Josh's leadership through this through this whole coronavirus, and actually since he's been here, has been impressive to me. I've watched him from, a, obviously, from afar, his, his, his technique and how he incorporates people in the department. And obviously – um, his involvement with our program has been phenomenal too. So I have all the confidence in Josh, what he's going to handle, how he's going to handle the Stone Creek situation, for the betterment of the university and the community. So it's something that uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see as well. And when that time comes, we'll 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 uh, we'll, we'll get after 100. percent I'm sure. Uh, Coach, uh, the Colonial is supposed to open on uh, June 11 with a tournament. I guess that's the next PGA tournament, June 11th. What? How do you see them doing that? Do you do you see uh, do you visualize this as as uh, uh, can can people attend it, or do you think it's going to be strictly a TV uh, event? You know, Lauren, I I don't know. I, I I'm like everybody else. I don't know if anybody else really knows. Um, I think you got to wait to see how this thing even moves. I mean, every day something's changing with this virus and changing with people's ideas how to handle it. So. Um, I know the PGA Tour wants to get playing badly. I know I've talked to some players that are out there, members of the tour, and I've talked to some some people that are, you know, the agents of the business, and they're all just, you know, it, it, the world stopped, and it's just, it's just, it's it's affecting everybody in their own way. And you know, these guys can't make money if they're not playing, and um, they're independent contractors, so they want to get out and play. And I know the PGA Tour has forwarded um, players money based on their projected finishes in the in the FedEx cup this year, just to get them through and to keep their livelihood, or, you know, their, their, their lifestyles going. And um, I think they're going to do whatever they can do to play. They're going to try to get out there, but they're gotta be, they gotta be, uh, you know, conscious of safety and they gotta be, uh, you know, cognizant of the, of the, of the people that are there, you know, a golf tournament on the PGA tour, even though the fans aren't there, there's still quite a few people there. They're helping run it. And uh, I don't know how they're going to handle all the scoring, the shot link and uh, 
all the other stuff that goes to it. So there's a lot, it's just a big production and I, but I know for sure they want to do it more, but I, I can't answer that thing exactly how they're going to do it yet, but um, I think they're going to go as far as they can go without going too far. We'll let you go with this. Have you um, come up with any handyman skills around the house <laughs> that you didn't know you had prior to all this? <laughs> um, you know what? I, I found out this last month of math that my dog likes me. I'm not, that <laughs> I'm not, around, I'm not around very often, but, um, um, you know, it's uh, my wife and I bought me a mask the other day, and I was thinking maybe, I, you know, she comes back and, I'm thinking maybe I look better in a mask. That's why she bought it for me. So well, it's, it's one of these things that I've, I've, I've not found much to do. I've been kind of working hard on this on this uh, on this golf team thing, but uh, I ride my bike a lot. That's right. That's all I'm doing, uh, Stevie. Right now is riding my bike. Good stuff, Mike. Always appreciate talking to you. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you guys later. You bet. Well, my golf coach Mike Small with us at 10:45. Phone line open for the rest of the way. Three five six nine three nine seven. Let's go to Rich in Decatur. What do you say, Rich? Rich Woolley. Hey, Rich. Steve, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good, how's Lauren doing? He's uh, still awake over there. <laughs> what are you doing in hey, Decatur? I was, I'm was. i not in Decatur. I told the guy I had a story about Ken Barnes from Decatur. Oh, okay. okay, go right ahead. I'm here at home. I'm, I'm, I'm locked in just like you guys are. But uh, Kenny Barnes was on that Decatur team, and when they won the state tournament that year, and I can't give you the exact year, I think it was 63-64, Cassie Russell and Joe Allen were on that Carver team. And nobody gave Decatur a chance to win that game, and they ended up winning. And then Carver came back. That was the, they played that game in Huff Gym. Carver came back the next year and won in the assembly hall with Joe Allen. Of course, Cassie Russell was gone after that. But um, they had uh, Kenny Barnes and a kid by the name of Johnson. They called him Bulldog. He had a nickname, Bulldog. And I scouted them in football that year. I was just a young coach just getting started. And um, uh, I scouted them. They had a really fast halfback by the name of Warnsley who played on that basketball team. All those kids played football and basketball, both. And... um, I came back with a scouting report, and uh, the week that we played them in football, when Champaign High School played them, I was out scouting somewhere, and I came back, to, and I said, well, how did the game go? And said, well, we got beat. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, they, they used Johnson at fullback. Well, Johnson hadn't played fullback all year long. <laughs> But he was a big. He was their center on the basketball team. He was a kid about six three, six four, and probably two hundred and thirty pounds. And the story was that I found out later. Uh, Jim Tate was the coach, Decatur, and um, when uh, they were practicing, Bulldog Johnson would constantly pester Coach Tate to let him. Let him carry the ball. Let me carry the ball. So one day he said, okay, we're going to fix this for good. He didn't want him to carry the ball. So he, he got everybody huddled up, and he said, okay, Bulldog, you get a fullback. And he went over to the defense, and uh, he told the offensive team, he says, now we're going to put Bulldog at fullback, and I, we're going to – we're going to give him the ball, see what, how he does. But I don't want you to block anybody. Just don't <laughs> block anybody. Just fall down on the ground. and We're going to teach him a lesson. 
So they gave him the ball, and he ran right through everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody could tackle him. He was such a big kid. And uh, so they tried him at fullback when they played us, and he played fullback the rest of the year. <laughs> Good stuff, Rich. Good to hear from you. Well, I just wanted to call in, but that's interesting about Kenny Barnes. He was quite an athlete, and they were the last team to win in the in the uh, old Huff Gym, and uh, Carver won the championship the first year in the Assembly Hall. I thought that was kind of interesting. Okay, thank you. Great to hear Good from you, Rich. Good to you guys. You Thanks, too. Rich. Thanks. Uh, Marty and Gary and Alan, hang on. Need to take a break. We'll get you on the air, and uh, we'll keep the phone line open, 356-9397. Back with more after this. 1052, Line I Saturday Sports Talk, scheduled to go to 11. We might go a little past that today. If you'd like to join us, 356-9397. Back to the phones we go, and Marty. Hey, Marty. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. Good show, as always. Thank you, sir. What's on your mind today? Brief observation, and I know you got other guys lined up. Uh, twosomes with 15-minute intervals uh, after they've learned that sunlight, heat, and humidity kill this virus rather quickly don't make a lot of sense, but there's an observation I have to that. Last I knew, and you guys will have to verify this because I don't live in the state anymore, but I spent most of my life there. The state is nearly bankrupt, and the great city of Chicago is also nearly bankrupt. So what would make anyone think that government officials would make reasonable or thoughtful rulings on just about anything? Am I correct about that? I, I think you're on the right track there, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering why anyone would pay attention to a group of people that have bankrupted a state that was – you know, and how many governors have been in jail in our lifetimes, Lauren? Four or five. I mean, yeah. Doesn't speak real well for the decision-making at the state level. And, you know, the only time you'd have to worry about golfers on a golf course is maybe the tee box, because on the green you're always at least six feet away from everybody. You're not talking. And uh, I don't know many times my golf ball's been close to anybody else's in a, in a foursome. So that just makes no sense to me, but I'm glad you guys are at least not having to drive to Indiana to play. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm not I'll too sure that I'm, we might, not, we might still drive to Indiana to play. It might be better. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right there. You guys make it a great day. Okay, yeah. Marty, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Let's go to um, Alan in Montrose. Go ahead, Alan. Morning, guys. Uh, I agree with uh, Marty on the political scene on this, but I can't get started on that. Uh, why can't uh, why couldn't uh, every university, if all the university, uh, if all the conference university presidents, athletic directors agreed on one, why couldn't they have, at least have a conference schedule and not just uh, leave it up to very few people decide not to play at all, why couldn't they at least, if all every member in the conference wanted to play, why couldn't they play each other? And I'm talking about football now, or even basketball as far as that goes. 
I think the answer to your question is if they're, if, if they're in school, they're going to play, and if they're not in school, they're, they're not going to play. Now, that may not be a flat statement on it, but I, you're going to have to have students in order to have football. You're going to have to have students. That's what everybody's saying. That's what the directors are saying. That's what the presidents are saying. So I got to believe them. Okay. Now you mentioned that. What if uh, they decide the online uh, stuff is so successful and you have about 80, 90% of the students online, then you're not going to have very many students on campus. You're still not going to have sports at all? Well, just don't say how successful. If you're going to ask how successful online teaching is, you better talk to the instructors. Because I don't know many instructors. Well, I can't speak for them, but I don't think instructors like to do it that way. It's a lot more work for them. They don't get near as much accomplished. And I don't think people are going to pay uh, for online instruction at the same tuition level that they would if they're in school. They're just not. Right. I mean, it's, it's a whole different yeah. world. And... Okay. I mean, I don't know if I'm answering. Right on that. But I also thought that if you were an online student registered at that university, why still could why still couldn't have sports? You may have to stay at a dorm on campus to do it if you're an athlete. But why couldn't you at least still uh, have athletics? Well, Steve, uh, I'm just going along with what they're saying. They're saying if you. They've made a pretty much a decision, uh, I hear from, from higher-ups, that if there's no school, if there are no students on campus, that there won't be football. And that, that's what I hear. I think that's pretty universal. I mean, that's not something I'm making up. That's what, that's what they're saying. Right. Okay, what I'm saying is that if every conference does go back to school, but someday non-conference do, can't you still have a season? I would think that I don't know. I, I would I would think so. I would think you could have if if the major if the power five schools go back intact, I think you'll have a season whether you have non conference games or not. You I think they would one of the considerations, one of the plans, Steve, is to have conference games only. I mean that is one of the options. So they'd take it to nine games. Yeah. From twelve to nine. Yeah. Hey, Alan, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Let's move along to uh, Gary in Urbana. Go ahead, Gary. Yeah, uh, just a couple of points. And, and for Alan, uh, even though I'm just teaching high school, online is awful. And you couldn't do it at the university level. What are you going to do with chemistry classes and language classes and all the kinds of things where you have to do labs? It's an impossible situation. And you're right. If they don't have students, I mean, one person was calling in and talked about, well, you can have alternate rows, I think he was probably talking about college, you know, have every other row empty. Mm-hmm. That's not going to, if you have to have social distancing for athletic events, they're not going to happen because that means you've got students in school, you have social distancing, you can't social distance the dorm. So those are just sort of uh, waste of breath conversations because you're right, Lauren, if, if universities don't go back into session, it's done you know, at that, at that point in time. So that's all I had to say. I think that's pretty much a decision that's been made and, and that's something we have to live with. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, if I had a magic wand, it would be nice to cure it, but that doesn't seem to be happening. So it's, right. it may be a while. I hope not. 
I hope not. But I keep coming up with this comment that if they could just have games, they could have TV. If they have TV, they can make their budgets at least pretty close to make their budgets. And uh, obviously that's not – that's just a a thought on my part that uh, it's not that easy. It's not that easy just to have games for TV, Steve. It takes an awful lot of people to run it. It It really does. Hey, Gary, thanks. We appreciate it. Yep. 11 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a break. If we have any more callers, we'll get them on. When we return after this, stay with us here on DWS. Welcome back to the show, everybody. 11.03, the Monai Pella Saturday Sports Talk, officially in overtime. So we'll go here a few more minutes. By the way, speaking of Monai Pella, they're uh, closed until the uh, shelter-in-place uh, situation is over for Champaign County, but uh, they're still doing the business uh, and helping uh, folks when they can. Their sales reps are working from home, and they can be contacted by phone or email, or you could go to the website, PellaOfChampaign.com to uh, learn more information about what's going on at Lion Ipella. Mike Mary and his team there, located at 1008 North Country Fair Drive. When you, they get the showroom uh, back open, perhaps you found some projects uh, during this time of being home a little more often that you'd like to get done when when uh, things get back to whatever the new normal is going to be. So keep. And I bet you get some pretty good deals right now, Steve, <laughs> don't you? I would think so. Keep uh, Lion Ipella in mind. Again, the website, Pella of Champagne. Dot com. Let's go back to the phones. Another Alan is with us. Go ahead, Alan. Yes. Um, since somebody brought up rules, I, I have a question regarding basketball rules. appreciate your program, and I'm able to now listen to your program because you have Internet-free radio from Champaign. Um, the, uh, what's the point of a 10-second rule getting across the half-court line when you've already got a shot clock that says 30 seconds? It's to somebody's uh, detriment if they don't get it across. So uh, why would they uh, why hurry them across the 10-second line when uh, there's 30 seconds anyway? That's a pretty good point. Well, yeah, I, I don't think it makes much sense either, but they've had it for all my life, and I guess it's just – Something that you just continue. I don't know any other reason. Well, well, they could get a probably get one less thing for the referees to call. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate uh, appreciate you calling from out of state. We'll take a couple more calls if we have them at eleven oh five. Something that uh, I saw this week from our friend Jeff Goodman of uh, Stadium came out with his much too early college basketball top 50 mm-hmm. uh, this week. Illinois was one of uh, several Big Ten teams mentioned, but his top 10 is Baylor, Villanova, Gonzaga, Iowa, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, Michigan State. He's counting on Garza coming back. Yes, he it? is. Yeah, out of the 50, he had, uh, let's see, nine Big Ten schools, I believe, mm-hmm. and the Big Ten schools led. I think in that uh, list of fifty, more, more big, and I was really surprised how low Illinois was because he had like seven or eight schools ahead of Illinois. I don't know how many, but it, I've got it right here. Okay, I'm getting to it: Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan State, four, five, and six; Kansas, Virginia, Arizona State, Creighton, round out the top ten. Here's the rest of the Big Ten teams: Rutgers, fifteenth; Indiana, thirtieth; Ohio State, thirty-one; Purdue, thirty-two. Illinois 37, Michigan 
42. So Michigan is the only team, according to Jeff Goodman, and is it too early to do this? Yeah, but you got to do something, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're finding things to, to try to talk about and things to uh, think about. And uh, that is Jeff Goodman writing on Stadium. By the way, see who Matt Harms uh, turned down Kentucky, turned down Texas Tech, and went to BYU. Big by a uh, seven foot three uh, center from Purdue that came from the Netherlands. So he's gone from Netherlands to West Lafayette to Provo, Provo, Utah. Let's go uh, get another call in here. John in Champaign. Hey, John, go ahead. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, won't hold you but a second. Uh, one thing uh, accolades to you, Lauren, for uh, uh, that Sunday article. I had called in, I had been concerned for. Oh, a few years about all the Big Ten money and what would happen if that got really uh, cut down badly. Sunday, I picked up the paper and you'd answered everything we had talked about. And I said, he didn't write that after I talked to him. You had that ready to go already, didn't you? (laughs) Well, I wrote that the previous Tuesday. (laughs) I don't know what to do with myself. I I write a Sunday column and I got a really bad habit. I start thinking about it on Monday, and then I write it on Tuesday, and then I have to watch it as it changes. During the, There's always something that happens during the course of the week that I have to make adjustments. I don't turn it in on Tuesday, but I have it in my possession on Tuesday or Wednesday yeah. or Thursday. I almost, <laughs> yeah, I almost felt like I'd been reading over your shoulder for three or four days. But uh, I had uh, a question that I uh, – uh, People brought up this morning about the uh, ten-second line and the and the is it five-second unguarded play or whatever mm-hmm. guarded play whatever it is. I saw, and I was so completely set back when I saw it. It wasn't any amazing thing, but I saw something in the last I'll say five or six games of the season, and I'm not even certain if Illinois was involved in it. But someone got called for the five-second. Uh, they were out in the in the three in the uh, three point land, and he was standing there holding the ball, and a guy didn't come up. As I got it, they they talked. They didn't really talk about it. It's just like old hat to them. But it was new to me that there was a five second call because the ref made some uh, uh, gesture like he was not advancing the ball. Hmm. And I don't know what it was. Whether it was a problem that the guy wasn't dribbling, was trying not to, or not trying to advance the ball, or the guy wasn't trying to stop him. But I've seen him stand and hold the ball on their hip and nothing called. If anybody knows about that, it's no big deal. But I, at the time, it really wowed me only because of one thing. <laughs> I hadn't seen it all year, and and I don't think a few years before that had I. We'll see if anybody uh, wants to comment on that, uh, John. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Let's go no, back. Uh, maybe Bill's got something on that and ran too. Well, hey, Bill. Good morning, guys. Uh, we're making decisions about canceling events, sporting events, and I realize they have to do it in advance, but we're making on uh, decisions based on models that so far not one of them has been right. Good uh, point. Do a, lot of, do a lot of research on this, and there's a Dr. Erickson and his colleague did a press conference yesterday and they were suggesting that healthy people being quarantined is ruining their immune system. And when we come out of this, we'll probably get a big surge because the immune systems are beaten down. Obviously, the people that are vulnerable should be quarantined. If they're sick, they should be quarantined. Well, wait a minute. What, what do you mean uh, their immune systems? Uh, you mean by staying in the – you don't have to stay in yeah. your house. 
You can get out and walk. Well, Everybody's I, getting out and walking, sure. jogging. You should, but if you're not around other people, your immune system is is strengthened by good viruses and good bacteria. Your body learns to fight bacteria and viruses that are not harmful. Oh. When when you get a virus that is harmful, your body has antibodies built up for that. By not getting around people or at least getting fresh air, that would help. But you're weakening your immune system. That's why little children are developing their immune system in school. That's what helps them develop. By sitting home, we're just uh, <clears throat> we're going to make it a little bit worse probably the next time everybody goes out. I mean, this is just his opinion, but he's got the facts to back it. And <clears throat> if you want to go to YouTube and just type in Dr. Erickson, um, he talks about the you know the the problems of isolation and a poor economy on people's health. So it's it's kind of interesting if uh, if anybody's interested in looking into it. Okay, Learn Bill. something every day, Steve. Yep. Thanks. Appreciate the call, Bill. Three five six nine three nine seven. That's why maybe that's why I've been feeling so good <laughs> because I've been hanging around with you so long and, <laughs> yeah, and I fought off all those bad you're, viruses. You're, you're six feet away. Just stay six <laughs> feet away from me. Don't don't you get any closer. Well, that's been kind of my creed for life. I never get closer. <laughs> well, I guess I do. I was sitting at court side at the basketball games. We're closer than six feet. But uh, anything else on your mind, Mr. Tate? Well. Get ready and wrap things up here. Oh, I don't know what's on my mind. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go home now and see what I wrote last Tuesday and send it out. <laughs> that's one of the things with this. I wake up trying to figure out what day it is, and that's something. and then I go to what month is it now? And yep. it's uh, the part of that's being semi-retired, but part of it is not being able to do the things you do on a normal basis. So uh, the times are unusual to say the least. And we'll find out uh, whatever the new normal might look at, look at at the appropriate time. Thanks to uh, Blake Landa, Ed Bond as well. Mr. Tate, we'll talk to you uh, next week. All right, I'll be here, I hope. Thanks uh, for listening, everybody, on WDWS in Champaign-Urbana. This is Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend.